By the Fire Podcast presents The Heart Speaks. Written and performed by Dave Smale. Chapter 8 Guilt Trip to the Psych Ward. One month later, Tyrone plopped onto the couch, still cooling off from today's second hard workout, despite the cold shower. It was a hit day, high-intensity interval training, which meant 15 minutes of calisthenic exercises at maximum speed for 30 seconds each, with only 10 seconds of rest in between moves. He'd incorporated it into his weightlifting regimen in the last few weeks. It helped to break up the monotony and trim a couple inches from his waistline. And that was the most positive thing he had going for him right now. He'd never felt so lonely. Before Jella's murder, he'd been considering splitting with Keisha. But now, strangely, though he hadn't seen her in a month, he thought it would be wrong to leave her. Perhaps it was the same reason he'd gone back to work so quickly. He didn't want to leave his partner hanging. It was ultimately what resulted in his firing. Maybe he hadn't learned his lesson. Keisha had been convicted of high-speed endangerment to public safety, destruction of private property, destruction of city property, and second-degree manslaughter for a minor injury to one beachgoer. She'd received a five-year sentence, three of which were suspended because it was her first offense. She was now in lockup at a mental hospital for at least two years, after which time she'd be evaluated. The judge would then decide if she could be released back into society or if she needed to remain at the facility. If her treatment didn't go well, the option for three more years of jail time remained open. Though she'd refused to speak after Jella's murder, the house somehow felt more quiet without her presence and without their daughter. Everything in the place reminded him of them. Keisha had removed all the family photos from the wall after the murder, but everything else, the kitchen, the bathrooms, the furniture, even the wall color, had his wife's personal touch. He tried to avoid the house as much as possible, going there only to sleep. Not that he could do that either. Perhaps it was something psychological, but Tyrone found that he was unable to sleep in their bed without her. Most nights he fell asleep on the couch watching infomercials around 2 a.m., which was five hours from now. He groaned, then flipped the TV on. The local news channel filled the screen, making his stomach turn. After Keisha's incident, the media apparently thought it appropriate to begin hounding the Bowmans again. Two weeks ago, he'd seen a woman parked at his curb at 11 p.m., pointing a camera at his house. At first, he thought it was a stakeout, but Tyrone later found out she was a reporter when she approached him at the grocery store. Twice. His opinion of reporters now rivaled that of the church. Curious, he looked out the window. No reporters. Good. His phone buzzed. He ignored it. Probably a text. It kept buzzing, which meant it wasn't a notification. 
but a phone call. What? Who calling me at nine o'clock at night? He wondered. The caller ID shown a New Jersey area code. He only knew of one person who lived there. Someone who he hadn't spoken to in a long time. Someone who he'd rather not speak to ever again. He debated letting it go to voicemail, but his curiosity got the better of him. Maybe it wasn't who he thought it was. Hello? Tyrone? He winced. Dang. It was exactly who he thought. Yeah, he replied. This is Regina, Keisha's mother. He sucked in a breath. Hi, how are you? He said, flatly. Regina was a slightly more classy version of Keisha. I just talked to my daughter. She said you ain't been to see her. Yeah, he said. Yeah, that's all you have to say is yeah? He rolled his eyes. Listen, Miss Regina, I just... Tyrone trailed off. He really didn't know what to say. His marriage wasn't her business, even if Keisha was her daughter. There's someone else, ain't there? She said. Huh? Another woman. Nah. Why you say that? I know you ain't working, Tyrone. So you got nothing but time on your hands. You don't just leave your wife alone in a mental hospital unless you're spending your time with someone else. This was why he avoided Regina. She was always giving him a hard time about one thing or another. As if he would never be good enough for her daughter. The last time he'd seen her was at Jealous Funeral, where she hadn't said a word to him. Miss Regina, there ain't no other woman. Can't believe you would even suggest... Then why haven't you been to see her? Why you think? He burst. There was silence for a long, uncomfortable moment. I understand she embarrassed you. Embarrassed me? You think that's what this is about? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Regina answered. And if it isn't, and there's no other woman, please... Tell me what it is about. Tyrone opened his mouth to answer, but nothing came out. Look, let's be real, Tyrone. It ain't a secret that you two argue about everything. She tells everyone about y'all's fights. Tyrone felt a tinge of guilt, realizing he'd done the same thing. Plus, you look like Mr. Universe, and she... Looks like she ate the universe, he thought, while Regina pondered a polite way to say that Keisha had become obese. She's put on a lot of weight, and it ain't like she's ashamed of it. She's always putting up pictures of herself online, cleavage and all. Tyrone sighed. He'd seen those pictures. He didn't know why anyone would want to flaunt their unhealthiness. And now, think about this. You're a cop. Not no mo, he corrected. You know what I mean. In your heart, you're a cop. And she? She's a criminal. You're embarrassed of her. I get it. But ain't you done something embarrassing, too? She asked rhetorically. He knew she was talking about the incident that got him fired. Yeah, reporters been hounding me, he replied. They come at me with their mics and their cameras. They're like vultures. Follow me around, put my face on the news. None of my old friends want to talk to me. So you know how it feels, Regina said. Yes. Yes, he did. Look, Tyrone, I know we never really saw eye to eye. And I know things between you two ain't good. But she needs you. 
I'm not saying you need to stay together, but you are still her husband. She's hurting. Just go see her, okay? I'm hurting too. My baby's gone, and my wife went crazy. Last time I seen her, she threw half our cups and glasses at me. I know. She told me. Believe me, that won't happen again. Please. This was a definite departure from the hard time she normally gave him. Why would she want him to go see Keisha? Was he suddenly good enough? All right. All right, I'll go see her tomorrow morning, he said. Thank you. And I'm sorry. For what? He asked. For the way I've treated you. You work hard and you were a great father to Jella. That was probably the best and only compliment he'd ever get from his mother-in-law. I'll take it, he thought. He thought he was being tailed. When he pulled into the psychiatric center the next morning, he confirmed it. He recognized the car and the woman inside it. He got out and made a beeline for the door. Mr. Bowman! A woman's voice called. He groaned and kept walking. Mr. Bowman! Kathy Wright with WVMA News! He donned his sunglasses and sped up. The reporter came parallel with him, her flats clacking on the pavement. In his peripheral, he noticed she was holding a smartphone. A modern recording device, no doubt. Sometimes they showed up with camera crews and microphones. Other times they came alone with smartphones. He decided the term vultures was insufficient to describe these creatures. They were more like velociraptors. If he said one word to one of them, Twelve more would appear from the bushes and pounce. Any improvement to your wife's condition? The reporter asked, leaning the phone's microphone toward him. He didn't respond. Any comment on how your family is handling these tragic events? She asked. Again, he didn't oblige. Your wife's committal to the mental institution? She prompted. When he didn't reply, she said, The video of you beating an innocent man. If Tyrone hadn't already lost everything, he might have had the energy to correct her. Sure, he'd beaten that guy senseless, but that man had been anything but innocent. Still, he walked on. The entrance was a few yards away. Would she follow him inside? Probably not. Only ten more seconds and Kathy What's-Her-Face from W-I-Don't-Care News would be out of his hair. For now. Your termination from the police department? She probed. Do you think it's fair that you still get to retire with a full pension? How did she know that? He wondered. No matter. Just a few more feet. What about your daughter's death? She said as the door slid open. Any truth to the rumors? He stopped. Rumors? What rumors? He stared at her for a moment. Against his better judgment, he asked, Rumors? That it was an inside job, she said. Inside? Inside what? Tyrone asked skeptically. Inside the police department, the reporter replied. He grimaced. This was the first he'd heard anything like that. Why would someone on the force go after his daughter? How absurd! He had no beef with anyone. Not even ex-cons as far as he knew. To suggest that his daughter was murdered by a cop was just too much. Where you come up with this stuff, he said. You just trying to get me to talk? I've got sources, the reporter named Kathy said. Yeah? 
What sources? Name them, Tyrone pressed. I can't do that. Right, because what you really got is nothing. I ain't heard nothing like that. So there, there's your comment. Want another one? Leave me and my family alone. We've been through enough. Don't y'all got any decency? Or they make you leave that behind at journalism school. Tyrone turned and went inside. The auburn-haired reporter kept babbling outside, but he couldn't hear her once the sliding door shut. She didn't follow him in, but her words stuck with him. Any truth to the rumors? Inside job? He tried to shake it off as he approached the reception desk. The girl behind the desk looked up, met his eyes, and smiled. Tyrone was immediately struck by her attractiveness. She was Hispanic, late twenties, he guessed, with cream-colored skin and sprunched black hair cascading down her shoulders. She was slightly overweight, though probably half his wife's current weight, and her smock was form-fitting, accentuating her figure. Her name tag said, Alondra. Hi, can I help you? Alondra said. There was something about the way she looked at him. Can you give me your number? Tyrone thought. Yeah, I'm here to see a patient. Uh, Keisha Bowman, he said, nearly forgetting his wife's name. Alondra nodded and keyed the name into the computer. What is your relation to the patient? She asked. He hesitated. Spouse, he answered. He could have sworn he saw a brief flash of disappointment in her eyes. Okay, can I see your ID, please? He handed her his driver's license and she typed his name on her keyboard. This is your first time visiting? She asked. Another pang of guilt shot through him. All he could do was nod. Alondra made an indiscernible face. She picked up the phone next to her on the desk and pressed a button. Hey, Horatio. I got a visitor for Keisha Bowman. Her husband. Okay. Alondra looked up at Tyrone. Hang on. We're just verifying with the patient. Verifying? We have to make sure the patient is okay to have a visitor. Tyrone nodded in understanding. This was a mental health facility, not a regular hospital. Their visitation guidelines were likely strict. Allowing a visitor that might trigger an episode in a patient was not in their best interest. Alondra looked up at Tyrone. He hadn't realized he was staring at her. He looked away. Yes, Alondra suddenly said into the phone. Tyrone looked back at her. Her face went sullen. Okay, thanks, she said, hanging up. I'm very sorry, but... She trailed off. What's up? he asked. She declined your visit, Alondra said. Declined? Alondra nodded slowly. Tyrone grimaced. Keisha didn't want to see him? Why not? Sure, he hadn't been to see her in a month, but her mother had called him and talked him into coming here, saying Keisha needed him. Does this mean she didn't? Despite how he felt about Keisha, the rejection stung. Tyrone winced, backing away from the desk. I'm so sorry, Alondra called after him as he staggered toward the door. He barely heard her. The sliding door opened and he zombie-walked to the truck. He climbed in, shut the door, and stared into the early morning sun. What just happened? 
He was under the impression she'd wanted to see him. If not for his mother-in-law's guilt trip, he'd have never even come here. Was this some kind of sick joke? Had Keisha and her mother plotted this just to get back at him? It sounded like something they'd do. He slammed his fist on the steering wheel, then fired up the engine. He was about to shift into reverse and peel out, but then got a better idea. He opened his phone and dialed the New Jersey number from the night before. Hello? His mother-in-law answered. Regina, Tyrone said a little too forcefully. Yes, is this Tyrone? He didn't answer the question. Instead, he launched into, Keisha says she don't want to see me. Silence on the other end. Y'all planned this, huh? Just to hurt me, he said. No, what? Wait, hold on. Come on, don't act like you didn't know. It's too perfect. I don't see her for a month. Then you call and guilt me into coming here. Make it seem like she want to see me, needs me, all that. Then, when I get here, she won't let me in? Yeah, real smooth. You got me. You win. Is that what you want? Tyrone, hold on. Regina shot back. Are you at the hospital now? Yeah, but it ain't a hospital. It's a psycho ward where she belong. Stop it. Just calm down. Let me talk to her, okay? Talk all you want. I'm done with y'all. Done. He mashed the hang-up button so hard, the phone's screen cracked. He tossed the phone on the seat and shifted into reverse. As he pulled away, he glanced into the lobby, where he saw the beautiful Alondra behind the desk. <laughs> Maybe I will come back, he thought. Thanks for listening to The Heart Speaks. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I'll be back next week with another chapter. Until then, God bless and thank you. This is a work of fiction. Names, characters, businesses, places, events, and incidents are either the products of the author's imagination or used in a fictitious manner. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, or actual events is purely coincidental.